This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. This is Bentley Manning coming to you from Highlands, North Carolina, and I make up no more than just one half of this podcast. Hey, this is Callan, and um, this is like take three of the introduction because the first two times Bentley said that he made up at least one half of this podcast, which I found a little bit offensive. And if you all have been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I can't get away with anything, so we did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to this episode. So, Kellen, last episode, we didn't do a mic check ahead of time, and I listened back, and my voice, at least as it was recorded, sounded like trash. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, So, if you were able to listen to the whole thing, I apologize for... Uh, you are having to listen to that recording. We've checked our mics and we think they're much better uh, today. Yeah, we're doing our best. Or Bentley's doing his best. Kellen, last episode we talked about the altarpiece that's being commissioned for the Church of the Incarnation. This is a, a piece of artwork that will be just behind the altar. And you were asking all types of questions about that that piece of artwork. Yeah, well, I knew that you had a meeting with Eric Johnson, the artist. And so um, I just thought our people should hear a little bit about that art piece. And, um, and it's a week later, and I'm wondering how that conversation went. It was fantastic. I you asked me last week, you know, what I was most excited about. And I think I had some answer. But what I wanted to know that day was what What's the artist most excited about? What did he say? He had two things that came to mind when I asked him this question. The first is that he spent a lot of time uh, developing the faces of the figures in the painting, which makes a world of sense. Uh, But they all have different expressions, different um, characteristics that I think you can pick up on by their facial expressions. And he's really excited about that. Could you give some examples? Yeah, well, so when you all see this, you'll notice Joseph, for example, has a kind of focus uh, that you might not expect from a painting like this. Um, There's an intensity to his gaze uh, that just invites a whole lot of questions in terms of, I mean, I think the viewer, you know, why does he look like that? (laughs) You know, like, what's he, what, 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 what's the source of that kind of expression? Mm Mm-hmm. And they all have different, I mean, they all have different expressions on their face, rightly so, but um, that's just one that comes to mind, Kellen. Keep going with what the artist was talking about. So when I asked Eric, so it was was the, the, the development of their faces that he felt really good about. He also, I, I asked him to kind of share a little bit of the process, if there was anything that kind of caught his heart while he was working on this painting. And I think I said this last week. I mean, he's working 12, 18-hour days on this thing. So he's it's his it's his life right now or it has been his life. And he was particularly taken by the fact that everyone 
in the image, with the exception of Jesus, the Christ child, has something in their hands. Hmm. I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's true. So every figure in the painting has something in their hands. Mary, of course, has Jesus in her hands. Mm -hmm. But the other figures are are, uh, bringing things to Christ. Um, Others are kind of preparing space uh, for the child to flourish and live. And so that was something that kind of has been kind of caught Eric, I think, while he was doing the painting. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting and a lovely observation. And I feel like has so much to offer our worship and our prayer. In your hands, my heart's in your hands. In your hands, my heart's in your hands. Just one more little thing about this painting. If anyone's interested in seeing the, the composition or, or the inspiration for the, for the piece, Eric Johnson, uh, with the church's direction, used a tapestry uh, that's, that hangs in Exeter Chapel, Oxford, of uh, the Adoration of the Magi. It's a Burne Jones piece. He was a Pre-Raphaelite. Uh, so you can Google, uh, which you should, uh, Adoration of the Magi, Burne Jones, and you'll see the tapestry that was used uh, as a kind of compositional touchstone uh, for the piece that's going to be at here at the Church of the Incarnation. Yeah, I would say it is. It is certainly not a copy. It's sort of inspired by that. Exactly, uh, worth looking at. Yeah. So. Last year at this time, both Bentley and I got into paddleboarding. We both bought paddleboards and um, spent a good part of our summer on the lake, I would say. And um, and this year, I mean, I'm still obsessed with paddleboarding. I don't know about you, Bentley. I don't think you've been out this year yet, have you? Not this year. Have you been out this year? Yeah, I was out already. Um, wow. But we... You know, it is the time of the year where we are like getting back into our various outdoor activities. And I think that you just went to the river for the first time. Yeah, to that point, though, just I mean, I think uh, some of the folks that I run into that aren't from Highlands, you kind of get two reactions, right? Like, oh, how great it must be to live in the middle of nowhere in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then other folks kind of want to question what the past three months were like, because it gets a little cold and a little hemmed in. Mm-hmm. And now, to your point, I think I'm feeling kind of wide open. Wide open. There are like a million things to do all of a sudden, especially outside. So your thing in the summer is paddling, as we all know. Yeah. Spring, summer, fall. Sure. I kind of hang it up in the winter time, which makes me, I just, I'm fragile and... I We've just, been over this. Yeah, I just don't have to get that cold. So anyway, I'm I'm back on the water, and the kind of kayaking I do, it makes sense to do at this time of year. Anyway, I was down at the river yesterday, had a blast. You kind of, if you take a break, right, there's some... But You're I'm, a little rusty. A little rusty. The right <laughs> way to say it is a little rusty. But anyway, <laughs> um, who cares, right? The, the point is being outside, uh, moving around. But I'm not that rusty, Kellen. <laughs> anyway, but you've you've got a new hobby. 
I do have a new hobby. Yes, a parishioner has let me borrow um, their mountain bike, and I've gone mountain biking a number of times in the last um, few weeks, and I'm obsessed. I just want to mountain bike all of the time. Any free time I have, I just want to go to the trails, which is kind of funny. I haven't felt like this sort of obsessed about an activity since climbing. It's been it's been a while since I've been like really hyped up. There's also, can I ask this question? I think there's something really, really, really delightful about being a novice. Totally. Because everything's new and the learning curve, while it might be steep, you're kind of developing at a rate, right? I mean... I agree. Like... I just noticed, you know, from the first time I had been on trails like a week or two ago to this last time, you know, a few days ago that I was on a trail, I was like, oh, like I'm way more comfortable here now than I was even 10 days ago, which was like a huge gain in such a short amount of time. But that's because I have like, I have just like a long ways to go to feel really comfortable on obstacles and like a single track trail. Um, So yeah, it's fun. So much fun. Yes. Yes. So much fun. Well, Kellen, I'm glad that you're out on the trails. I'm glad that I'm on the river. I need to get on my paddleboard. But it's it's great that spring's here and that we're getting outside a bit more. It's the best. Chase down a brand new adventure. Step up, step out and enter Here's my best segue. Speaking of being outside, our gospel account oh this summer, this <laughs> this summer, this Sunday, uh, paints a picture of a pastoral scene which occurs outside. Yeah, I think I hadn't looked at it yet. <laughs> You're right. That was a lousy segue. Let's see if I can do a bit better explaining the gospel reading, or at least summarizing it. It comes from the 10th chapter of John, where Jesus likens himself to the good shepherd, uh, a shepherd willing to lay down his life for the sake of the sheep. Uh, He compares himself uh, to the hired hand and notes that the hired hand runs away when the wolves come, uh, but that the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sake of the sheep, a sheep who listen to his voice and follow him wherever he may go. Uh, So Kellen, that's the best I've got. That's great. So I'm preaching this week, um, but I feel a little bit stuck because I remember you saying to me one time about how preachers just get into the pulpit on the fourth Sunday of Easter, the um, Good Shepherd Sunday, and talk about how much they know about sheep and shepherding. But with these texts this Sunday, I'm not sure what else to talk about. 
like how do I get around talking about shepherding or sheep Mally? I I think it's a it's a fair question and I probably should not have commented on this at all to begin with right <laughs> I should take the log out of my own eye I but um, I think it's just a matter of degree right how much how much do you want to tell us about what you've read in the encyclopedia related to sheep or shepherding I think that's the question yeah I probably don't want to like be a sort of research article explaining the ins and outs of raising sheep I don't I don't really want to do that but I don't see how I can avoid this metaphorical world I think that we key, are. I think the key might be just like, what do sheep and people have in common? Right. Probably lots of things. I would think so. But like, you don't need to spend a lot of time talking about their hooves, I don't think. <laughs> or <laughs> how I... soft they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, what I'm struck by in this passage is how little the focus is on the sheep. And how the focus seems to almost be entirely on the shepherd, on the good shepherd, because there's kind of this back and forth between the good shepherd and the hired hand. And you don't actually hear a lot about the sheep. Like this isn't the place where sheep and goats are compared or sheep and wolves are talked about. It's like solely focused on the role of the good shepherd. And you might ask yourself, like, what makes the shepherd good? And it's very clear in this text, what makes it what makes him a good shepherd? Correct. Which is that he he's willing to lay down his life for the sake of the sheep. Yeah. So that seems to be the heart of this text. So Kellen, the other thing that comes to my mind is the kind of need for all of us to recognize our need. I think there's something really I'm stealing your words here, liberating. Uh, freeing, salvific about recognizing that we are not the good shepherd. We are the sheep. And Christ wants to care for us. He wants to feed us. He wants to tend to our needs and to set us free. And he's willing to do everything, willing to lay down his life so that we might have life and part of, I think, of this gospel, part of its work is to remind us of our need for a shepherd and um, maybe to free us up a bit to receive what Christ has offered us. Besides just sort of realizing, you know, who the shepherd is and that we're the sheep, I think... Um, as depicted in art history and all sorts of poems and hymns. I'm just struck by the tenderness of Jesus being compared to a shepherd, right? It's, I think, a really uh, lovely and gentle figure, someone who is deeply in tune with his creation and his um, creatures and wanting to know and um, take care of them. Lost and weary traveler Searching for the way to go 
stranger Heavy hearted Longing for someone to know May you find A light May you find A light May you find Here's an Easter blessing. The God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Weary travelers searching everywhere you go Strangers who are searching long and deeply to be known all right, y'all, a couple of announcements for the week ahead. First and foremost, know that there are three services on Sunday morning. If you're feeling comfortable, we invite you to come back and be with us in worship. It's wonderful to be gathered together. As always, we'll continue to stream our services online. So if you're not ready to come back yet, um, you can watch the service and participate online. The way you sign up for services is in your weekly update, um, which comes out every Tuesday. There's an 8 o'clock, a 9.30, and 11. We'd love to see you also um, come to our class at noon on Wednesdays to talk and learn more about what it means um, to be Anglican. We love you. We miss you. God's peace. <laughs>